Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory as well. Fabulous service department, great sales staff, great deals to be had. Holidays are a great time to buy because the holidays bring with it great deals. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Penn State Drexel tomorrow at the Jordan Center. Postponed. Uh, Some are saying canceled, but the official word is postponed. Right now, postponed to win? I don't know. Uh, does postpone become canceled? Don't know. We'll all have to find out, but it will not be played tomorrow. It's supposed to be at 1 o'clock, but we'll, that means we'll have a full show tomorrow heading into Thanksgiving. All right, before we get to Neil Kulong, our play-by-play call of the day. Here at the bottom. There's third and ten. Brady has to step up. It's the goat, you just said. You see him right here, right here on your screen. You see, he's going to Mike Evans, right in between the hash and the numbers. That's crazy. Nice job right there by Terrell Lewis of getting his hands up. Terrell Lewis is a big boy now. He's six foot five, and then when he jumps, he hits him in the bicep. (laughs) That's how high he's up in the air. Tom's like, hey, let me try it again. Brady gets in the stat book in two areas. Uh, Brady played at times like a 43-year-old quarterback last night. But different topic, different day. All right. With that, we bring in Neil Kulong. It's Thanksgiving week. We're always thankful for Neil. I was waiting for Neil to say something back, and his response was, I'll get back to you on that. I don't quite know what that means. As as usual, my response is I I appreciate you guys taking the time to to talk to me a little bit, and I hope you guys have a, a phenomenal non-working holiday week. Although, I, as, as we were chatting offline, I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a thing for anybody involved with the NFL. But uh, it's, it's it's good to be able to commiserate anyway. Yes, absolutely, uh, it is. Uh, so let's let's get to the Steelers. They ten and zero. They did what they were supposed to do on on Sunday. Yeah, it may have taken a little bit, but when they start to do what they're quote supposed to do in a game like that as opposed to the old they play down to their opponent what does that tell you about the maturity of the team for me i think this is the reason they're 10 and 0 is is rooted in that exact uh question i I think this is a team that in the past um if you want to entertain the notion that they played down to somebody i i've always been a believer of uh, the, the team was probably a little bit more hyped up than it probably should have been, mm-hmm. and uh, a large part of that is just due to the, the fantasy football nature of, of fan opinion nowadays. Um, it, I think this team is built to play actual football. I, I think they have character in their locker room. I think they have um, – they're on the same page with what they're being told to do, and they execute that very well. It doesn't look like a team that scores 30 points a game. 
yet they do. Um, it, it looks like a defense that takes the ball away and sacks the quarterback quite a bit because that's what it does. Um, those things are, are typically winning formulas when it comes to actual football. Uh, they don't have players who are going to the Pro Bowl. and Fans are screaming about how the quarterback should be an MVP candidate. I'm not necessarily sure that that's the case. I think it's a team that plays very well within itself. It, it does a great job of playing to the best of their abilities, and they're, they're shaking things up. They don't look necessarily the same offensively every single week. It's a different guy that, that kind of is getting the, the major accolades for that day, and they're winning. They're, they're winning late. They're winning big. They're winning ugly. However it is that they're able to do it, they're finding ways to win. So with that, um, I, I can understand why there's a sense that um, there's going to be a letdown at some point. I, I don't think they'll go 16-0. and I also don't think this is a team that's really concerned with that. I think that they, they're putting up their best football that they can each and every week. And it's not as if they're not going through kind of the same trials and tribulations that a lot of other teams are. Um, they're, they're just doing a better job working it. They're, they're doing a better job playing within that um, constraint. I, I think there are a lot of teams, one in particular, their opponent on Thursday, who's not doing a very good job of that, particularly lately. And we're, we're seeing that around the league. We're going to get uh, – yeah, I, I, I've, I've always said this. Week 12 is really the start of the season for a contending team. And I think we're going to find out uh, very quickly – not in a letdown game kind of manner, not not you know having anything to do with their past, but we're going to find out where this team is mentally uh, starting right now. I'm not saying that they're going to win on Thursday. I just think that uh, this is the beginning of the season that really matters for a, a contending team, how they're going to finish off their, their final six games and head into the playoffs. And I think the Steelers have positioned themselves very well to do that because they just have a, a much stronger level of character uh, among their team and among each other. They're, they play together very well. They're a fun group. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like they let each other stay down for very long. These are all soft traits of a championship team. I think we're starting to see that build in Pittsburgh, whether or not they're going to win a title. I, I think uh, we're going to see a, a, an excellent result for a team that, you know, if we do look back in the past, uh, typically plays very well over the second half of November into December. And that that's going to start this week. Obviously, Execution means a lot. You can call whatever play you want. Maybe the best play in the face of the earth's not executed. It ends up looking bad. What has been your opinion of the coordinators and what they have done to then, quote, put their guys in the right position to have success? <laughs> That's really the question, isn't it? Um, I, even in Pittsburgh, we've never seen a, a team scoring 30 points a game and a fan base that is so completely against the style in which they're they're generating those points. Um, I, I'm not saying that Randy Fickner should be uh, a head coaching candidate or anything like that. I'm just saying that it's really hard at, at a 10,000-foot level to criticize the coordination of their offense. Um, are there second and 10 runs? Yes. I, I understand that that's a, a, a grievous sin nowadays. Uh, they, they do do some things that I think, you know, cause a few people to, to scratch their heads every now and again. But top to bottom, they're scoring points consistently throughout the game. They're, they're a threat to move the ball against anybody at any point. And a lot of it is coming off of the adjustments that they're making based on what the defense is doing in different situations. In, in my mind, that's what a coordinator really is going to do. You know, when you put together your game plan, you're going to script out uh, probably 12 to 15 plays to start the game. These are the plays you're really going to drill that week. You want to get a good sense of 
running those plays at a very high level. And from there, it's a matter of how the defense is responding to it. You can't script the entire game. You don't want to script the entire game, but you don't want to just wing it when you get out there either. I think Randy Fickner has done a phenomenal job adjusting to what defenses have done to the stuff that they plan to do. I think Ben Roethlisberger, it, it, his stats and the, the progression that he makes throughout a game, um, I'd have to go back and look and, and confirm whether or not this is real. But it seems like there is a stretch in every single game every week where Ben is 5-5, five for five, six for six and the team has put together seven ten points on three drives um that kind of of efficiency is really what's marking the offense and in my mind that that can't be done unless you have a coordinator who's doing an excellent job uh, adjusting to what a defense does I, I i think fickner's done an outstanding job i think it's the best offense we've seen in pittsburgh in a long time and regardless of the success that they have it, it's not a more talented offense than what they've had in the past especially not in the re- recent past um, as far as Keith Butler goes, there's so much talent on that side of the ball. Yeah. It, it's really hard to get a lot of it wrong. You know, I, I, There are some things I think they probably could have done a better job of, but that's really where the character of this team is. They, they, they're loaded in all three phases, all three areas of, of their defense, their front line, their middle, and, and the back end. They have a lot of talent, and there are a lot of guys that are making a lot of plays. Uh, what we're seeing right now, in fact, it, it, it's been so dominant um, opposing teams are simply they're not throwing the ball deep they're not trying to push the ball down the field right. and the Steelers sack numbers are declining because of it people are saying well they're not getting to the quarterback quarterback is dropping three and getting rid of the ball right. no matter who's anywhere yeah. they're doing that and it, not by coincidence at all you're seeing a pretty sharp uptick in uh, passes tipped to the line of scrimmage right. and with that takeaways so the Steelers are affecting the game now in a different way than they were at the beginning of the season when they were racking up five, six sacks a game. Teams aren't even trying to push the ball downfield. They have to get into uh, kind of a war of attrition with them if, if they're going to compete. They have to be able to hang on to the ball. They have to be able to run the ball well, which they've, you know, some teams have had some success with recently. Um, they, they have to change what they're doing offensively based on the Steelers' defense. That, that's about as good a compliment as you can pay a defensive coordinator at, as, as possible. Uh, Butler has done a great job utilizing everybody, and he's done it in some fairly harsh um, constraints. I mean, losing Tyson Alulu for as long as they have, uh, it, that's not an easy thing. Having to go out there, uh, you didn't have you didn't even have a Chris Warmly in there for, for a stretch of time. Right. Um, Isaiah Bugs was hurt when he was playing. The amount of young guys that they've had to get in there, Henry Mondu, a variety of different frontline players have had to step up and, and uh, uh, contribute in some way. It hasn't been pretty, but they've gotten the job done when they've had to get it done. And I, I think that in and of itself is an admirable job by Butler um, when he hasn't been you know, the, the fan favorite for his entire time <laughs> right. in, in Pittsburgh. So I, I think there, there are a lot of different reasons why the team is 10-0, and 0, and it just it, it baffles me to think from the fans' perspective, that they're ten and zero, despite the two worst coordinators in all of football. I, I, I think they've done a great job, and I, I think it, it's it's part of a lot of different things that are going really well in Pittsburgh right now that they aren't necessarily producing the, the fantasy football level highlights and stats that sure. you kind of come to expect nowadays. But it, they're getting the job done on the field, and in, in many most cases, in fact, it's it's pretty convincing. Yeah, I feel like defensively, I feel like for the most part, eight out of the 11 spots have played really well. Because obviously, losing push, you're not going to play as well there. Every once in a while, one of the corners, Hayden, and every once in a while, one of the safeties, they can sit there and go, oh, okay. But for the most part, they've played you know eight out of the 11 spots consistently really well. It's You can cope with some pretty good defenses when the guys are playing at that level. 
Yeah, I wouldn't have to look real hard to find a team that wouldn't love to have eight of eleven knockdowns. You know, there, uh, there are a lot of problems defensively across yeah. the league. Um, it, it, for the Steelers' case, yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't even point that out. Devin Bush was a big loss. Yes. That's a huge loss. Um, getting back to scripted plays, it's not a coincidence, and you're going to see it Thursday too. If Robert Spillane is in the game, they're going to target him immediately. No doubt. They have every week that he's been out there. Um, he's not, you know, to, to put it mildly. He's not the athlete that Devin Bush is. He is an absolute liability in coverage. Uh, they have to mask that. And they, they need to do a better job of it, uh, in particular early, because teams are, are focusing specifically on him. That's a tough hole to fill. I mean, that, that's not easy. That, that's why they went out and traded up for you know, the 10th overall pick. Uh, to draft Evan Bush and throw him in the fire immediately. He's going to be, uh, if he wasn't already, he's going to be a key component to an excellent defense for a long time. Um, without that, you're, you're at you know a personnel disadvantage in many ways. But they're they're finding ways to overcome that. They have a lot of of athleticism, uh, particularly in their back seven. They have a lot of fast guys. Uh, you're you're seeing T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree play over center uh, a, a lot of times now. Um, some of that is to just kind of hide what they're trying to do and to to limit their ability. Um, maybe it, it reduces their ability to rush the passer a little bit, but they're not going to allow a team just to throw short across the middle without getting a good athletic player there uh, to make plays. And at the same time, you know, Baltimore's first pass, the first time they played, was at Robert Spillane. And he picked it off. Yep, and ran back for a score. And went the distance. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I mean, that was the the least likely first pass of the game we would have seen. So it's not that they're completely deficient in that area, and they're getting better uh, in that regard. As far as the cornerbacks go, I agree. we're, We're seeing some issues with that, but this is also... Um, it's kind of the exhaust that comes with the, the highly productive machine that is their defense. Right. They're sacking the quarterback. They're taking the ball away. Usually that means they're, they're taking risks. They're putting themselves mm-hmm. into right. beneficial positions defensively. And sometimes you get burned by that. It's not what they want, ideally. But you're seeing Steven Nelson make a lot of gambles on the ball. Joe sure. Hayden's been playing like that since last year when, when his interceptions you know, shot through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are aware that Minka Fitzpatrick is behind them. I think in the last couple of weeks, Fitzpatrick has been asked to do more than, than what he was asked to do uh, in his entire previous tenure in Pittsburgh. He's making plays on the ball. He's tackling guys in the open field. He's playing much better, I think, than, than what he started at, and that's making the rest of the defense go because they, they know that he's back there. They know that he's a sweeper across the entire field. Um, that's making all of them stronger. And that, that's really the, the highest and best value that Fitzpatrick has. He might be the team MVP, in my opinion, if you take mm-hmm. Roethlisberger out of the equation. So they're, they're able to do much more with the talent that they have, and it being put in the right positions at the right time is part of the reason why they have a defense that, you know, maybe statistically it's not as good uh, as a few others out there, but it's probably the most dangerous in the league. And I think every team knows that. Certainly Lamar Jackson knows that. He, he remembers his four turnovers that cost his team the game last time. Um, they're they're going to have to be well aware of uh, where their pass rush is as well as the deep safety. That That's tough to overcome as a quarterback. And finally, uh, Baltimore, five players, four staffers testing positive this week. J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram definitely tested positive. Uh, Brandon Williams was placed on reserve COVID-19 because of close contact. And I don't, you know, look, the, the time frame of playing Thursday may eliminate him from playing. Um, the bottom, I mean, they say they're still playing the game. Uh, your thoughts on that? Um, I don't think there's any way that they're taking Ravens Steelers on, on Thanksgiving night off the board on Tuesday. No. Um, right. 
we don't have to look very far to see a, an example of a very similar situation in which uh, the, the game was moved. Um, I'm trying not to make too much of it, but it, it, it's clear and obvious there are other intentions going on here. And it, you and I have discussed this all season. We, we knew there was going to be a point the NFL was just going to have to play the game. Right. Um, in, in my opinion, I, I think knowing that, they were probably better off not setting precedent of moving a game around, but that became unavoidable. Uh, this is the marquee game of a day that has two clunkers of games before it. There's no way they're not playing that game. I, half the Ravens team could go down. That That's not going to stop them from playing the game. Um, obviously, it, it, from a fan's perspective, you're wondering, you know, what other Ravens players are there? Why aren't they announcing the other ones? Why is it right. Dobbins and Ingram? Right. Um, and it leads you to raise an eyebrow or two. It might be a particularly prominent player. Um, whatever they're going to do, um, I hate to say this, and I hate to, to to be you know kind of conspiracy theorist here, but I don't think they'd want to announce that a certain quarterback of a certain team not playing in the game before advertisers kind of can't really pull out. So, or, it, it, or Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I I think there's a lot to be said about who else might be affected by this and what exactly is going to happen on Thursday. But I will say this. It is a shame that both teams can't meet each other at full strength because it was a phenomenal game last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is what the NFL wanted in setting up uh, what, you know, going into the season, what very well could have been a game to decide the AFC North and still could be. Um, it, it, it's, it would be nice to see them both playing at full strength, and you hope that everybody is able to recover from this and move on. The NFL doesn't have more of these kinds of issues to deal with, but I, I think it was pretty naive to think that something like this was not going to happen and will not continue to happen. Uh, you just hope that uh, to whatever degree they can play the game safely, they're able to do that. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. Definitely. You guys as well. Enjoy your holiday and hopefully some time off that comes with it. Neil Coolong will come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. And so I spent my commercial break talking to Dick Girardi. <laughs> he got as far as Kelly's, which is in Bullsburg, just outside of State College, when he got my text. <laughs> He says, really? I says, yeah. Uh, That was bad timing. (laughs) Well, the way we look at it is, he he said, I didn't quite make it to the Hilton Garden Inn. (laughs) I said, see, I got to you before you checked in. That's a good thing. (laughs) I guess. Uh, So the game is still on with VMI Saturday and Dick told me, he says, I'm not driving up till the morning of the game. <laughs> I don't blame him. I said, I don't blame you at all. Hashtag 2020. Oh my goodness. I don't know. Well, I, I told you the goal was to play a game. The second goal is to play a second game. The third goal is to play a third game. Rick Pitino would like to see the whole season move back to March and then have May Madness but they don't appear to be determined to go that way. And, you know, I mean, so they play VMI Saturday. In fact, they're thinking about moving that game to 1 o'clock. I go, okay. Now, I can't do that game anyway. So my first game would be next Wednesday. 
against VCU. Then Seton Hall after that. All right. I mean, welcome to 2020. Jim Ferry will be on the show to talk all about about this and more tonight, and James Franklin as well. So basketball, football tonight on the Coaches Show at 6.05 on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory. Great time of the year to buy. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Let's bring in now one of the best in the business who will be on the call for ABC Saturday when Penn State takes on Michigan. That is Dave Pash. Dave, welcome. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Happy Thanksgiving, Steve. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, great to hear you on the other end. Thanks a lot for the time today. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Before I get to Penn State and Michigan, I have to ask you, in calling the DeAndre Hopkins play from Kyler Murray, what was that moment like, and what did that mean for for the Arizona Cardinals? As you know, Steve, all all those Hail Marys are obviously unexpected, but especially – just the way that game went, it was so deflating. They were, were seemingly in command after coming back from down 23-9. to nine. And then Stephon Diggs got a touchdown pass at just a few minutes left. Uh, if even that, I think it might have been a minute. And it was so deflating. I, I was sitting, I felt like I was in the corner with the dunce cap on, just sitting there you know, calling the plays, just okay, you know, first down, oh, no timeouts left, uh, incomplete pass. Uh, oh, you know, you're staring at uh, five and four in the face, and then maybe five and five with the game Thursday at Seattle. So I was kind of in the tank. And then, you know, it, it took me a while based on where our boot position is. I don't even, I don't know where your boot was when you did the Fiesta Bowl, but ours is in the corner yes. opposite of where the touchdown was. So, like, I couldn't see it the way I wanted to. I wanted to be sure before I called it out, and I just saw one of the other players leaning over DeAndre Hopkins like celebrating so I just I didn't I, I, I wasn't sure what exactly happened and so it took me kind of a second uh, you know you, you always want to be right you don't want to guess and uh, it was it was fun to, to see to see when uh, the smoke cleared DeAndre Hopkins sitting there with a the football it's one of the greatest finishes to a game I've ever been a part of yeah in fact I think I, I know exactly the locations I think we had your booth uh, for the for the Fiesta okay. Bowl, so yeah, and that's the toughest that's the toughest part of that of that field to see is that corner because it's on your near side on the other end of the field. Exactly, and so I'm sitting there with binoculars, and it's not like you have all the fans. A lot of times you can you know go based off of the emotion <laughs> of the fans, and there were about four thousand people there, so there was some emotion, but not a lot. 
So, you know, there wasn't the roar of the crowd. You didn't have all the fans standing up. The official hadn't even signaled yet for a touchdown. So I was just trying to be patient. But in my heart, you know, it started to palpitate. Like, you know, because I, I think I think my partner, Ron Wolfley, saw it. I think he, he wanted to jump in, but he didn't want to interrupt me. So uh, he was kind of in a quandary. I want to do one other Cardinals question, then I'll get to the game, obviously. Uh, you've had the privilege of seeing Larry Fitzgerald go through a Hall of Fame career, but now you've had a chance on a game-in-a-game-out basis to see DeAndre Hopkins. What have you thought of watching Hopkins every game, and what has he meant to Kyler Murray? Well, the two are very different um, in terms of the the type of players they are, with the exception of just incredible hand-eye coordination. But they're they're very different. Um, you know, Larry obviously is at the end of his career, and DeAndre Hopkins is still in his prime. And you know, to go out and get a player of the caliber DeAndre Hopkins, I don't know that a general manager in pro football has done more for his young quarterback than Steve Kime has for for Kyler Murray. I think, again, getting Stephon Diggs was a great move by Buffalo to pair him with Josh Allen. And I know some of these other GMs with franchise quarterbacks that are, you know, a couple years into the league are trying. But to get a guy that's at the top, arguably, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I think for Kyler Murray, it's exactly what he needed. And I, I still don't feel like it's come together. He's among the league leaders in every receiving category, yet it still feels like there are some plays that have been left out there in the field. So I, I still feel like there's room for that duo to grow together. Saturday, obviously, uh, you'll have Penn State, Michigan, uh, in Ann Arbor. If they had told you about the assignment back in on October 20th, the thought process probably would be different. But now that you've had a chance to see these two teams, what are some initial thoughts that you have, Dave, about this matchup on Saturday? Yeah, you know, similar to we had Clemson, Florida State last week until it got canceled three hours before kickoff, but kind of the same thing, right? You see those two schools matching up against one another, and you think potential instant classic, and maybe it still will be, but it's been obviously a strange year, an upside-down year for the world, and it just feels like Penn State's a microcosm of that. To come that close against Indiana and then just watching the last four weeks, uh, it's, it's really uh, mesmerizing as to what's going on. Uh, I just didn't expect it. I, I'm sure you didn't. I don't think anybody did. But I, I wonder with a lot of teams this year, especially those in the Big Ten and Pac-12, you start late, everybody's playing, you're sitting at home, you're waiting around, you finally get a chance to play, and you lose a game. That's got to be more deflating than ever because obviously your chances go way down of competing for Big Ten title, playing in a college football playoff. The New Year's Six Bowl games are big, obviously, but you know even they have taken on a lesser significance this year because it's all about the playoff. It's all about just getting through the year. And so I think it's been so taxing on everybody that when you lose a game, it's just like so deflating that you can't describe it. That's what it feels like to me when I watch Penn State. So let's flip the page now to Michigan. Obviously, when the game was over with Iowa, I got home in time to watch Michigan play Rutgers because it's Penn State's next two opponents playing each other. Kate McNamara comes off the bench, throws four touchdowns, triple overtime, Michigan wins. What kind of lift and what did you see out of Kate McNamara that allowed him to give Michigan a lift offensively? 
I have to think that that's who Jim Harbaugh will go with, but you never know. Uh, he right. certainly isn't going to tell anybody. But <laughs> just watching how different they looked with him at quarterback and the spark that he provided and clearly the leadership that was needed, I, I'd have to think that that's who Michigan will play at quarterback. Maybe they play both guys. Sounds like Penn State's going to do that. So you know, maybe Harbaugh will. But it just seemed like a big difference with McNamara than with Milton. Okay, uh, obviously you'll have an opportunity to talk with the coaches, I assume by Zoom probably. So give us just an idea. Give me one question for each that right now you'd like to ask James Franklin and you'd like to ask Jim Harbaugh. Good question. I, I think the easiest thing that I could come up with for James Franklin is: can, can you? Is there anything in particular that you could put your finger on that says, "Here, here is where it went wrong." Here, you know, did you know in camp? Uh, did it take you, you know, to week two before you, you just knew it was going to be a struggle? Um, you know, it's been I, I, for head coaches. I feel for them in this respect that between recruiting not being able to recruit the way you normally can with COVID and just, you know, the, the disappointment that the players have had to gone through the financial impact it's had not on the head coaches as much as it is on the people that support the head coach. Uh, it, it's, it can't be easy trying to run a program and trying to win in this environment. So I, I'd like to know, I guess, from Coach Franklin, where, you know, where do you think it went wrong? And then for Jim Harbaugh is, you know, where, where are the bright spots for the future? I think for Penn State, this is a up. They're too good. They're too talented. But for Michigan, you know, this is something. We had their bowl game against Alabama last year. And, yeah. you know, they lost some guys to the league. They, they just they don't have the same players that they did on the defense a few years ago. Um, it's just, I don't know if it's been a big drop-off in recruiting. Obviously, the quarterback position, they still haven't solved that. So, for Penn State, to me, it's about you know, where did it go wrong in the present and, and the recent past? And then for Michigan, what's the future look like? Is this – should we get used to this? I don't think I'd phrase it that way to Coach Harbaugh. I probably wouldn't like it. But, you know, hey, you, you know where I'm going with it. I just I just yeah. wonder if this is going to be the norm for Michigan football. Are they are they not much better than a 500 team? All right. Interesting. Obviously, you talked about Clemson, Florida State, which had odd circumstances – that suddenly that game was postponed. Uh, so you're involved in that. How, in the phrase this, pleasantly surprised you've been that the NFL, and because you do the Arizona Cardinals, have been able to so far negotiate this thing as far as they have? Well, with pro sports, and, and I you know, had the... Uh, the good fortune to be a part of the NBA bubble as well. I, was, I went down there on two different occasions for regular season and playoff games, and now being a part of a full season in the NFL, obviously you have, and I'm not saying Penn State and, and Michigan schools like that don't have the means, but you, right. you, you can kind of create your own bubble without having to jump through as many hoops as a college program does or a, or a conference does. Um, the protocols are different in each conference. You know, for each school, they seem to be different depending on the local guidelines. Uh, you just look at Cal and, you know, what they've had to negotiate in Berkeley. Right. And so the NBA obviously had the bubble. The NFL, they've been able to create their own bubble. And I, I just think the NFL both did it the right way. I think the NFL, by just saying, you know what, we're going to play and we'll figure it out. 
we'll keep everybody safe, but we're going to figure it out. We're just going to play. We're going to move forward as if we're going to play. I think that was the right move. I, I know the Big Ten's taken a lot of heat for not doing that. Same with the Pac-12. But it is a little bit different when it's college sports. And, again, the protocols aren't uniform. You don't have a boss of you know the FBS. It's right. just different. With that said, I still think the Big Ten made a mistake, and so did the Pac-12, obviously. But it's also much easier to look back at it now and say they yeah. made a mistake than to, to say that on August 10th. Final question, because you were in the bubble a couple different times. What was it like in there? For the From the outside looking in, they're like, okay, they're just doing one thing and one thing only. But what was it like? How often did you have to be tested to make sure that you could continue in the bubble? Yeah, our, our bubble was a little different. We were not in the same bubble as the players and the teams, but we still had to test regularly. Um I think it was, you know, every three days or something. Okay. You know, we had no contact really with anybody. I mean, we were is ESPN and TNT and some league officials, and there were some personnel from certain teams that would, they were at our hotel and in our bubble that didn't want to be in the team bubble where you had to get tested every day and you couldn't really do anything. We still were limited in what we could do. It was strange. I mean, you're in a, you know, going to small arenas to do NBA games and you're, you know, 20 rows up in a glass-encased booth with no fans, uh, just as I'm sure it's been odd for you calling games with no fans where you're used to a raucous environment. You know, for NBA playoff games and, and no fans, it just was strange. That was, you know, and I've been doing, like, I'm doing this game on Saturday from my house. So, you know, to go from you know, the bubble where you're doing games from a glass-encased booth to doing, you know, college football games at home, uh, it's been it's been very very strange. <laughs> I wish yeah. I could. You know, I, it's one of these things where I think all of us that have been through it will write a book or something, or everybody will take a <laughs> chapter and write a, a big book fifteen years from now on what it was like. Because uh, I still feel like I'm in a, this big fog, uh, and it's like a dream that you you expect to wake up from, but you realize now you're not going to wake up from. Right. Dave, absolute pleasure. You're one of the best in the business. Appreciate your work. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on, Steve. Take care. Dave Pash, who will call the game on ABC Saturday. He's also does the NBA, does some WNBA, and, yes, he is the play-by-play voice on radio of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll wrap it up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applications applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years.
All right, uh, I'll be back in about an hour and 15 minutes. Penn State interim basketball coach Jim Ferry will join us this evening. Tomorrow's game with Drexel has been postponed. Um, There is a difference between a postponed game and a canceled game. I know the reports are out there as canceled. I can tell you right now the game is postponed. That doesn't mean that a decision is made later to cancel, but as of right now the game is postponed, not canceled. Uh, that doesn't mean they're playing Thanksgiving Day. That doesn't mean they're playing Friday. It, it doesn't mean any of that. But it doesn't mean they can't also play the game at a later date. There are openings. So we'll see what they want to do with it, and then we'll go from there. But as of right now, the game would be under the the listing of postponed. All right? Postponed. It is not canceled. But the bottom line is they're not playing tomorrow. And that means their opener will be Saturday against VMI, and then the next one after that is Virginia Commonwealth. Brian Tripp will do that game on Saturday because I'm scheduled to be at Michigan. And the game uh, with VCU would be next Wednesday, scheduled at 5 o'clock, which would be a 4.30 air time. Yeah. Now, the, the Lady Lions are still scheduled to play tomorrow. They are playing tomorrow in the Jordan Center against Coppin State. So, so that game is still on. But there you are. It's, uh, it's, that's the story. As I, I was talking with Dick on the phone during the news. Like The two of us were laughing. We said, look, the goal is to play a game. Second goal is to play a second game. And now, um, so that's that's the bottom line. Our thanks to Dave Pash, by the way, that got on with us late, uh, and uh, yeah, that was a last minute, uh, last minute booking there. Yeah, no, and he, you know, and he was great. It's great to talk to. I mean, fabulous. You know, it, as usual, he just easily goes from question to question. Doesn't need any. Uh, doesn't need any other prompting other than that because he's a pro's pro. I just think he's good at everything he does. Now, if I wanted to kid around with him, and you know, with all this stuff going on, I didn't really feel like kidding around with him. But I could have said, "Does it make you appreciate Bill Walton more?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Going, I was actually thinking the same thing. Is he okay with this, or is he actually going to miss him? <laughs> like, you know what? So, it's, uh... <laughs> you know, there's a candidate, Steve, you should bring for your class about working with somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. he's got a million different stories, I'm sure, just with him alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know he does. I know he does. Um, so, yeah. That's great. And working with Walden is... See, that that's how good Dave is. Dave can easily work with Doris Burke. And I've worked with Doris, too. I mean, Doris is incredibly easy to work with. She's smart and just easy to work with. Um, now, he's done many more games with her than I have. I've done maybe five or six with her. And he can go from working with Doris Burke to working with Ron Wolfley to working with Mike Golick. He had Greg McElroy last year. And then 
he can then work with Bill Walton, and he can handle any assignment, any working partner. And that's that tells you a lot about him. So Penn State uh, and Drexel um, will not be played tomorrow. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't know which side ended up. I mean, it could be as simple as a staff member even here testing positive. Okay? Uh, I do know, my understanding is that it's not a player. But it could be as simple as that. So, you know, you go through contact tracing and so forth, then you go from there. So, that's where we are. It's 2020. 2020. That would mean that uh, VMI is next, and then for me, my first game would be VCU. And as of right now, um, once I go with VCU, I'm scheduled the rest of the way with no conflicts. Now it doesn't mean they couldn't take Drexel and schedule them on a Saturday, and all of a sudden I'm, you know, I've got a conflict. I don't know. Because remember, Penn State was supposed to play on Friday the 19th against Bucknell of December. December 19th, they were supposed to play Bucknell. Obviously, that game's not going to happen. It is conceivable, by the way, that a game, maybe even with Drexel, can end up there. That's why we're telling you it's postponed. Okay, It is not officially canceled. It is postponed. Now, postponed to win? Who knows? Today's show has been brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great pre-owned inventory, and a great time of the year to buy at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Back in 65 minutes with Jim Ferry and James Franklin.